0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hello, and welcome to UI it's the West Ham podcast from the Athletic with me, Sam Delaney, and the Athletics West Ham correspondent, Roshane Thomas. Roshane, how's it going? I'm
2: all good, Sam. Things are things are white in a minute. Yourself? I'm all
1: right. Um, it's been a dramatic week once again in the life of a West Ham fan, but not that we've actually played in a game. But, you know, the transfer window business has got everyone's knickers in a twist. Unbelievable. <laughs> Shane, the the first thing that I want to say about the transfer window and West Ham fans, although I'm sure it's the same uh, with fans of every club, is bloody hell, people are so angry, right? And what I think about football is that I'm sure there was a time when the role football played in most football fans lives was to help you switch off from all the things that usually made you angry. Right. So the idea of football was you worked all week. Right. You might be you might be tired, frustrated, angry, miserable because of the travails of the working week and at the weekend. Football was an opportunity to unwind, to watch some sport, to share in collective pleasure, right? Now, football, I think, is the major source of stress for 90% of football fans, if you judge football fans by what you see on Twitter. Because last week, let's just get it right, West Ham didn't sign anyone on Transfer Deadline Day. Yeah, it's a shame. Of course, every every club wants more players. And it's true that our squad looks quite small and and it would have been nice. But you would have thought that, like... I mean, put it this way. People are, re- respond worse to West Ham not signing um, a obscure German centre-back on transfer deadline day than they do to the news that COVID could carry on <laughs> indefinitely.
2: Yeah. It is, but I think... <laughs> I think people are like that, especially West Ham fans, because the club gets linked to a lot of players, a lot of players, and really good players. And whether the players turn on a move to West Ham or for whatever reason the club can't get a deal with the line, fans are like, what on earth is going on? And then in the end, West Ham will sign someone that, chances are we haven't heard of, or players are thinking, really? So I feel like, as it relates to West Ham fans, that's one of the biggest reasons why they end up getting Frustrated?
1: Frustrated? Um, people are furious i mean (laughs) i'm frustrated i think frustrated would be a good description of the way that i feel but we often give i mean i say we try to give a positive perspective on this podcast that's not really our agenda i just think we're honest and that maybe we're just positive people but people regard regard our, our point of view often as quite a positive one on this podcast but i think it's just a little bit about perspective i mean you know, I found myself apologising to people almost or feeling apologetic to some West Ham fans who seemed furious that, you know, wasn't overly bothered about the lack of comings and goings or comings on, on on Transfer Deadline Day. And the thing about it is, is that, yeah, I mean, God, we've got a small squad and it's a worry if we get a couple of injuries. But when people say it's a crisis, we're screwed, I go like, I go, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. We're becoming we're becoming spoiled and entitled, aren't we? We're a team who've got the form striker in the league up front at the moment in um, Mikel Antonio. If he picks up a knock, what if he gets a knock? I say, well, I'll tell you what happens if he gets a knock. We bring on our £45 million top scorer on in his place. I mean, that is not a bad situation to be in. I bet there is fans of clubs, not just clubs in lower divisions, but clubs in our own division who would look and laugh at how spoiled and entitled some of the fans have been. Now, I don't want to sound like Jim White, but at the same time, I just think if you're getting that wound up and people go, oh, we get linked with well-known players and then we end up with players we haven't heard of. Well, how many people had heard of Thomas Suchet before we signed him? Not me, you know. Um, not many people were overly aware with Jared Bowen. I mean, Jared Bowen was a big deal in the Championship, but people weren't running around saying, well, he's going to make or break this club. So people pick and choose who they get excited about. You know, the day we signed Felipe Anderson, people were going absolutely nuts about it, as if we'd just signed Lionel Messi. I remember that day, and look how that turned out. You just never know. You know, you just never know what difference a signing is going to make to your season, and it very rarely makes the big. The one player, two players doesn't make the big difference. One way or the other, not really.
2: Well, well, it made a big difference last season for, our, for us. In fact, with Sućek and They made a massive difference. <laughs> they did. They
1: did. Well, I tell you what's interesting about that as well. A lot of people. Um, uh, one of our colleagues in podcasting, um, ex-WHU employee, who we know is a, a regular source of regular source of um, uh, good transfer uh, insights and information. I think he tweeted something saying that. Um, West Ham won't be signing Ryan Manning off of QPR because the Moyes doesn't rate him. And people are going, well, he's just not good enough. I mean, that's another player that he, not not meaning Manning, meaning Moyes, right? So, well, he's not good enough to judge a player. And they drag up things that happened in the past. Like, we we know that there's a suggestion that he turned down James Madison because he thought he wasn't good enough. People go, well, he just can't judge a player. He's well known for it. He's not good enough at this level. And I think to myself, well, he might he made a mistake if that's true about Madison. And he might also be making a mistake about Manning. I don't know. The truth is, I actually haven't seen Manning play. I've heard QPR fans talk about him quite positively. But, you know, if he signs uh, Suchek or Bowen, that means he was a good judge of player then. and But then the next day, if he turns down Ryan Manning, he's an awful judge of a player. What manager has a faultless record anyway? I mean, you know, Guardiola has signed a succession of absolutely useless but highly expensive centre-backs at Man City. Successive managers, not least Jose Mourinho, wasted a ton of money at Manchester United. Everyone's making mistakes all the time. It's not an exact science, is it?
2: Yeah, absolutely spot on. And I love touching the fact that, you know, West Ham get linked to a lot of players and then he signs someone, you're thinking like, who is this person? But in a way, I'd rather that sort of player like do well for West Ham rather than signing a well-known player, spend a the of money, case in point of being Sebastian Dillard last season. And you have a relatively average season compared to someone like Thomas like as you mentioned, had no idea about previously or Jared Bowen, and they're both doing tremendously well. So I sort of like it when a manager does that because you're thinking, first of all, great in terms of like recruitment, you're not following the trend, like being like every other club is spending all these crazy money on players. And three, it sort of excites the fans because you're thinking, here we go, Play we didn't know about, and now he's doing well, and now if you were to leave West Ham, you know where he sort of like had that upward trajectory from. So yeah, it, it does work out well sometimes.
1: Right now, we're offering you the opportunity to subscribe to the athletic for just one pound a month. You can enjoy all of our great articles on West Ham and so much more. This offer is running for a limited time only, so go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod to sign up and read all the latest on West Ham's pursuit of Saeed Benrahma, Josh King, and maybe more. That's theathletic.com slash West Ham pod and pay just one pound a month. Well, let's look at the current situation. Obviously, the European transfer window, top flight transfer window shut. We've still got championship transfers to do up until the end of this week. And then suddenly at the weekend, it broke that we were back in for Ben Rama. And the suggestion from all of the credible sources uh, online and elsewhere seemed to be that we had all but signed Ben Rama. Then on Monday, it looks like the deal has um, hit the rocks because of a slightly vague suggestion that he's got a, a problem, not with West Ham, but with Brentford. Presumably that's to do with, what, a, a loyal, loyalty bonus? Because usually a player who's in contract would get a payoff, wouldn't they? Is, is that what we're we'll left to assume about this, Rishan?
2: Yeah, something along those lines. And obviously there's still like a few things to iron out. People are still relatively confident that it will get over the line. But I saw a tweet from um, uh, Travis Sinclair. He was like, welcome mm. to West Ham, Mirama And mm. then, I forgot what he said after. Something along, I think, oops or oh here we go again I started laughing because it's just difficult at West Ham
1: yeah, obviously yeah. I know yeah.
2: this case is not directly fault. it's to do with the play in the clubs to issues to resolve yeah. the line out but uh. you just sort of laugh thinking oh here we go it's going to be difficult for us to sign him now just when it looked nail on for us to get him but yeah people are still relatively confident that he'll get over the line and we'll touch it now because I reckon he'll be an exciting player for us should we sign him he will be in my opinion uh, one of our most exciting signers since Dimitri Payet I'll, I'll go as far to say that Sign a young player, up and coming. As we all know, he was one of the most exciting players in the championship last season. So if he he does get over the line, then oh wow, what a sign it will be for West Ham. It is
1: exciting, and he's the ultimate YouTube highlights player because you know when people (laughs) share clips of him. I mean, he really. I mean, I I, I know that sounds like I'm damning him with faint praise. Uh, I hope that he turns out to be a genuinely good player, but Ben Ramat is the ultimate kind of if you, if you want to put together a, a compilation of showboating clips if you're a producer at Sock AM is the gift that keeps on giving because it feels like every time he receives the ball he's going for a nutmeg a Cruyff turn or, or a combination of the two which is great you know West Ham fans like all fans love to have players like that in the team um, there are people with concerns though he hasn't done that in the in the Premier League um could he be the sort of player, you know, a bit like we've we've just got rid of him, Felipe Anderson, who has got a huge amount of flair going forward, but isn't going to contribute the same amount as say a Jared Bowen does on the other wing. Jared Bowen, of course, gives you a huge amount of attacking threat, but puts so much work in in defence as well. You know, is it going to unbalance him? Obvious concerns is what I'm saying is it's very easy to get totally overexcited about a player like Ben Rama when you see clips of him scoring worldies on YouTube. Um, is there a risk, though, we're getting too excited? And is the fact that we're going to get him for what sounds like an initial 20 25 million and that there doesn't seem to be much con- uh, competition
2: for his signature anyway, is, is that something we should worry about, do you think? Actually, I actually don't think so. I feel like West Ham fans can definitely feel excited about the prospect of Ben Rahman joining West Ham. We, we, we all thought, well, the initial fair is that, like, you know, could Jabo make that transition from the championships to the Premier League? And, well, wow, he certainly proved people wrong and shown he is mm. more than talented to play at this level. And I feel the same applies to Ben Rama. Obviously, there'll be comparisons to perhaps Lanzini, but Ben is more of an offensive player. He scores more goals. He Well, Obviously, last season played a big role in Brentford getting to the playoff final. Obviously, they lost mm. to Fulham. The same thing with like Oddie Watkins. Can he do it in the Premier League? Score the hat-trick against Liverpool. So, he's, he's certainly people people wrong. And uh, again, I feel like Ben Rama will definitely do that if he comes to West Ham. An exciting player. Someone that will excite fans, as you mentioned. Get fans bums off seats, so to speak. Mm. He has pace. He has skill. Well, I mean, what's there not to like? Certainly, oh, like, in my opinion, an upgrade on the, uh, Anton and and Young yeah. as well. So, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. would be. Decided. Yeah, no,
1: listen, I'm, ju- I'm just playing devil's advocate. I obviously am excited and I made the mistake that probably 99% of West Ham fans did on Saturday night when it <laughs> looked as if it was going to be a done deal by the morning because I started sketching out mentally what the team would be against Tottenham. And when you start thinking of an attacking lineup um featuring Bowen on one wing, Ben Rama on the other, and Antonio in the middle it's hard not to get very, very excited. You know not to mention Masuaku backing up Ben Rama down the left. I mean, that's going to be a nightmare for whoever yeah. is playing right back for Tottenham. Let's quickly talk about Josh King though. He seems to be the alternative, right? The story as I understand it is that we made quite a low ball bid for him. When that didn't work out, we went to Ben Rama and now if Ben Rama doesn't work out, we feel as if we can go back to Josh King and, and get him for less than 20 million because he's in the last year of his contract. So, so, is that fair to say that King is, is currently our second choice backup solution to Ben Rama?
2: Yeah, it would be fair to say King is the alternative to Ben Rama. King, in my opinion, is a good player, but he, just reflecting on his season at Bournemouth last term, he wasn't uh, consistent. He scored, what, six goals and he's 28. So, as I mentioned, good player, but he doesn't really fit into this type of player Mudge wants to bring in. Young player, has potentially has resale value, and when I say those two things, I think of Ben Rama. If you're gonna if you're gonna like spend good money on a player, you spend it on Ben Rama and not try and be a bit cheap and get someone like Josh King in just cause you can't get Ben Rama. You in my opinion you should just put all your eggs in one basket and, and try everything to get Ben Rama because he's that good.
1: Josh King can play centre or centre forward or left, right? Yep, yeah, correct. So he's got that over Ben Rama, who's much more just either. A left winger, I suppose, maybe could play in a number 10 role. But, you know, Josh King, I haven't seen a lot of him, but I know he's always been well-regarded. He started at United. And in fact, in the last January transfer window, I think there was a rumour that United actually tried to sign him back last minute when they were having a struggle with injuries up front. So if we end up with him, I won't be completely gutted. Because like I say, I think we've got a very good set up as it is in attack at the moment. And so anyone else is going to be a bonus. But listen, I'm with you, of course. It's impossible to, to... Do you know what I'm probably doing? I'm doing that thing like, say if you're up for a job. Or <laughs> when I was a younger man, I was perhaps trying to court a young lady, Rashane. You know what it's like, right? right? And sometimes what you have to do is psychologically prepare yourself for failure, Right. Because therefore th- that way, if it comes, you're like, oh well, never mind, doesn't matter, I wasn't expecting it anyway. But if you pull it off anyway, wow, what a feeling! Uh, obviously, I usually failed, um, so I'm well practiced at this sort of psycholo- reverse psychology. Um, but I-, I guess maybe that's why I'm being a bit negative about Ben Rama is because I can't bring myself to to imagine him in our lineup. Now, if we did sign him or King, who would miss out for you? Or would anyone miss out? I mean, a lot of people say you never change a winning side.
2: For me, I believe Four Niles would miss out. Especially if, if we sign Ben Rama, I feel like he will take Four Niles' role. And if Josh King were to arrive, I feel like Four Niles would keep his role. And Josh King would sort of buy his time on the bench. But it's something which we've spoken about on previous podcasts. It's good to have competition. I feel it's one great. of the biggest reasons why West Ham struggled last season was the fact that it was just pretty much the same team, same team week in, week out. Especially on mm. the Pellegrini. And then we could have a bad game. He started the next match. Uh, if the defence were playing poor, we'll play again. So here we have it where players are like, you know what, if I have a bad game, I could be out of the team here. And you yeah. want to have that. You want to have that sort of fighting spirit to keep your place in the team. And I feel like it can only make West Ham much better and, you know, improve the morale. Cause Everyone knows, you know, plays up for grabs. you got to do well. You can't put in a six out of 10 performance. It's got to be eight out of 10 at the very least to keep your place. So I'm all for it. The recruitment in terms of bringing personnel into, you know, have that sort of winning winning spirit in the team.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: Craig Dawson's come in um, on a loan from Watford again. So much anger amongst West Ham fans about this bloke coming in. I feel awful for him. I mean, admittedly, it's not the sort of signing that's going to get you excited enough to go down to the stadium and immediately purchase a shirt with his name on the back of it. But the fact is, he's a West Ham player now. Clearly, we've signed him to be on the bench, to be a reserve centre-back. Do you think that, you know, we started the transfer window with the aim of buying almost a marquee centre-back and, and Tarkovsky was obviously the, the main target and that hasn't worked out. But do you think he, he must have, the, you know, Moyes and the team must have looked at our performances over the last few weeks and thought, well, maybe the, the players we've got, especially in this new three-at-the-back formation, are better than we thought. So all we actually need is a reserve centre-back. So we can save a bit of money there and invest the bulk of what we've got into an exciting attacker instead. Because people are furious that we've signed Dawson. They say, oh, you know, we wanted Stones or we wanted Tuckers, we got Dawson. I think that just shows flexibility in our transfer policy, doesn't
2: it? Well, Sam, the bit you're doing this podcast with you is that fans know we're the voice of reason. Mm. You know, we try to look at the positive side and all things. Even last time we're doing terrible, we try to find some sort of glimmer of hope as to why fans should feel encouraged. But... Regarding Craig Dawson, I honestly can't uh-huh. see any positives. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 I can't see any positives, unfortunately. And to be honest, I agree with a lot of West Ham fans and like, Craig Dawson, really? On a season-long loan, with the option to buy? He's 30. He was part of a Watford team that got relegated last season. In my opinion, he's not better than the up. Not better than Fabian Barbraina. No. Yeah, but he's, he's not supposed to be. That's yeah, what Creswell. I'm saying,
1: mate, is that we were originally know, looking for a player who was going to come in and take the place, probably, of Issa Diop in the first yeah. team. Now we're looking for a player who is going to be willing to be effectively fifth-choice centre-back after yeah. Ogbonna, Barbraina, Cresswell and Diop, right? So, which means he's unlikely to get many matches. Now, you're not going to get many young hotshots joining a club like West Ham to be fifth-choice centre-back, are you?
2: I still think it's a case where you you, sh- you look to sign a first choice cent- a centre back. If we look back on the ball's ten years, it's just it's just a thing where they like they get more excited when not signing a number ten or attacking minded player than a, a, a defender. And I'm gonna I'm gonna name your list of players West Ham will linked to during the window. Sam Shane yeah, Duffy, Wesley Fofana, Antonio Rudiger, Tomori as we all know, who turned on the move to uh, West Ham on deadline day. John Stones, Rob Holden, Callum Chambers. James Tarkovsky, Jonathan Tarr, Danieli Rugani. I mean, the list goes on and on. So fans are looking at that and thinking, we're linked to all these players, and in the end, we signed Craig Dawson on loan. As you mentioned, he's not going to be the first choice. We know that, change,
1: but... they, that, what I'm saying is they changed strategy. Mm. Maybe too hastily. but uh, uh, Very know.
2: hastily, in my opinion. You don't get well, carried what away. What I'm
1: saying is, at the beginning of the season, and in the summer, it's thought, we're not keeping clean sheets. We need to get a someone to marshal uh, the, the defence for us, right? The season starts and you think, hang on a minute. Albuquerque has continued his brilliant form from last year. But we've changed formation and now even Balbuena, who we had written off, is looking brilliant. These players, as we've said on previous podcasts, seem to be responding to better coaching as far as I can see. And so maybe it was Moyes himself or maybe it was Sullivan saying to him, look... You're keeping clean sheets with the players you got. You got this new formation. Let's uh, let's put the money into the team elsewhere. But I, I take you what you're saying. I mean, of course, it's always better to try and sign someone with the potential to be first-time quality. Dawson feels like the sort of signing where we don't even expect him to ever be first-team quality. We expect him to sit patiently and come in in the event of an injury crisis.
2: Yeah, exactly. It looks like? Dawson, he could prove us all wrong and, and do well provided he gets a chance at West Ham as we know, he's good on the set pieces, the only player I can think, the friend I can think who's good on set pieces as well is Issa Diop, so it's good to have perhaps two who are good in the air from corners or, or, or free kicks but again, you're looking at you thinking it would have been good if West Ham could have signed at least a first-choice centre-back. Obviously, I know the criteria would have changed with keeping back-to-back clean sheets and winning two league games. But still, you can't really get carried away because this is West Ham after all. Last season, we all thought, "Hey, great start to the league, could get Europe." Fabianski gets an injury at Bournemouth, and then it all goes crashing down after that. So the board showed looked to that, and David Moyes to agree and said, "You know what? Let's still try and sign someone who's good enough to you know make an impact right now."
1: There's a story going around that josh king wants 130 grand a week sign for west ham and i'm thinking you must be joking right for a player of his age who's a championship striker to turn up on 130 grand i mean apart from everything else it would probably pay havoc with morale inside the dressing room if they were aware of that kind of thing but part of me thinks i just can't believe that's true if he seriously wants to return to the premier league why would he be asking for that why would he be pricing himself so highly David Sullivan, it suits him for it to go round that Josh King is, is asking for huge wages. Because one thing David Sullivan will never, ever, ever admit is that any failure is his fault. So if we fail to sign someone, he will always want to line up a, a scapegoat for that. It'll either be the manager, the owners of the other club, the player himself or an agent. But he'll never say... We didn't quite get that over the line. That's on me. Dawson came on loan, so he hasn't cost us any proper money. If Ben Rama arrives, we're led to believe that it'll be a down payment of 20 million. Then it could go up by another 10, depending on add-ons. That seems to leave us, theoretically at least, with 20 million in the transfer budget, because we we've been told that we had 40 million to spend. So, do you think before Friday, on top of Ben Rama? Um, we could also see, what, a left-back, a central midfielder. What do you reckon?
2: It could be both. It could be both because we're really light in central midfield, especially with yeah, the departure of Jack Wilshere. Obviously, we know he wasn't, you know, didn't have much impact whenever he played, but still, he was an option to have in midfield. And I'm touching wood right now but to, to make sure it doesn't happen. But if, let's say, Suček called Declan Rice who had to suffer an injury as you mentioned in the previous podcast it will just totally change the way we play they both make driving runs from midfield. both have a lot of energy and you're looking at Mark Noble good player for West Ham doesn't have the legs you're looking at Covered Conor Covertry kind of a good player but we're asking a lot for him to be the equivalent of uh, Declan Rice or Thomas at already so I feel like that scenario West Ham could look at and say hey we need to bring an extra body in and obviously left back because well left wing back I should say because Masuaku withdrew from the squad uh, due to an injury. So he could be an injury doubt for the game against Tottenham this Sunday. And you look at your thinking, obviously Cresswell could be the direct replacement, but it's good to have another option there as well. So they're the two positions I, I believe West Ham should look at before the deadline. The rumours,
1: um, seem to be that he doesn't like Ryan Manning and he doesn't like Rico Henry thinks he's too small. Um, so <laughs> those are the only two left Cri- back. Slash- small. I know left back or left wing back. Those are the only two that I've heard us linked with realistically out of the championship. So if both of those are being ruled out, I don't know who else we're going for. But to my mind, those are the, the positions. What One central midfielder I've heard mentioned, which you know I was quite interested in, but I'll, I'll see what your point of view is, is uh, Lewis Cook. at? There's two Cooks at Bournemouth, right? One's a centre-back, one's a central midfielder. So Lewis Cook is a young midfielder who I think, I think, but I might be wrong, even... Got close to or into an England squad a season or two ago, very briefly. So that's quite an exciting prospect. Do you, th- do you know much about this lad?
2: Yeah, Lewis Cook, great player when he was at Leeds. Really good player, really good holding midfielder. And he did play for England two years ago, in fact. So He actually played he had, for England. Yeah, he actually one cap. One cap right. for England in 2018. That's when he was in really good form, but he suffered a knee injury and he hasn't really been the same player since. You know, it's always tough to recover from an injury. You know, we saw, we've seen it as well. With Manuel Lanzini just not the same player. And uh, if it was a case where West Ham were linked to him prior to Lewis Cook suffered injury, I would have been like, oh my goodness, let's let's get over the line. But now I'm, I'm looking at it thinking oh, he's just not the same player.
1: Just like Lanzini, some people. I mean, Lanzini was in the form of his life for 2018 World Cup. He was called up. I was very excited as we all were about seeing him line up for argentina we were going to be one of the favorites playing in the same team as lionel messi i mean it's very exciting prospect and it is a, it's a real heartbreaker that because lanzini people get on his back now and we've been critical of him but you think really it does stretch back to that injury at the time there was rumors that it was a career-ending injury it was that bad but he did come back from it. But if you come back from an injury that almost finished your career, of course you're never going to be the same player. And it is heartbreaking because we forget, but there was a period when Lanzini was a very, very, very brilliant creative midfielder who could have done great things for West Ham. But it's a shame. And you do see that with, with certain players, don't you? Rashane, let's talk about the Tottenham game. Always a massive game coming up this weekend. It's tantalized. It's always tantalising, mate. But it's particularly tantalising now because we're in incredible form. Um, but Tottenham have just beaten Man United uh, 6-1. So it's, it's a really hard one to read. But I, I shouldn't say this because whenever I say it, it's a death now. But I feel confident that we are better than Tottenham right now.
2: I'm not sure what better than Tottenham. <laughs> That's a big statement right there, Sam. <laughs> Over the course of the season,
1: I think Tottenham got a better squad, oh, okay, better okay. team, better yeah. credentials than us, of course. Yeah. I think in terms of form, in this moment, I think that West Ham, outside of Everton, I think we're the form team.
2: Mm. I'd say it's on the par between us and, and, and Tottenham we are also in a great one of form and it looks like Gareth Bell could be making his debut for... Yeah, well, it's a bit
1: worrying, isn't it? Yeah,
2: that's, that's, that's definitely worrying. Whether Bell starting or Bale on the bench, it's going to be a dangerous player, providing, you know, he's he's, uh, he's he's fit, fully fit. But the thing is, right, we can be buoyed by the fact no one gave us a chance against Wolves, beat Wolves. No one gave us a chance against Leicester. Bear in mind, Jimmy Vardy scored a hat-trick the previous week against Man City, beat Leicester convincingly, could have scored more goals. So as you mentioned, can be, can feel bored by the fact that we can get a result against Tottenham, especially due to the fact that West Ham have a decent record at Tottenham? Yeah. In course. the previous four meetings against Tottenham, West Ham won twice, lost once and drawn once. And obviously, we know McHenry Antonio, he definitely was playing against Tottenham. So West Ham can look at it and feel like, you know what? No one gives a chance. Everyone thought we had a tough, you know, fixture heading into the season and we've done well so far. Why not go into the, into the game against Tottenham with the same mindset? My only thing is, the international break came at the wrong time for West Ham came at the wrong time. I mean, who on earth invented international break? Shame on you, that person who invented international break. Because We're all fed up of international
1: time. football. It's a waste of time. And, you know, Declan Rice, yeah, apparently, obviously, I didn't watch it. You know, I mean, come on. But <laughs> apparently, he was our best player. But to be honest, I don't derive much pleasure from that because when a player like Declan Rice goes off to play for England, you just think to yourself, a what if he gets injured like poor old dean ashton did in his first ever england squad and b plays well it just alerts more people but to 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 how brilliant he is you know i just i i suppose when i was a kid if a west ham player played for england which was quite rare back then um I would get excited, but now I'm just like oh God. I'd rather not. It's just yeah. annoying, isn't it? instant breaks are annoying and stupid, mate.
2: Yeah. Well, like the manager and FIFA and football manager just come back here one piece. Everyone knows how good Declan Rice is. I'd imagine just England fans who support other teams are like, this guy's overrated. He's not good enough. We see it week in, week out. just how talented Declan Rice yeah. is. So yeah. he's nice that so he's been appreciated. But yeah, looking forward to the game against Tottenham. There's been some classics over the years. The Gate, you know the. Um, <laughs> I think it was the four three defeat where. Tottenham's right back scored at like the last minute, which was restored annoying to this day. Do you so... know how bad
1: that was? I've, I've got memories of those games. The Gate is always it really winds me up. The Zania Gate because <laughs> because to, it, it seems to be beef, and that I didn't mean a pun by that, but it's just come out that way, right between Arsenal and Tottenham, because Tottenham fans are so insane that they still maintain otherwise rational men who support West Ham uh, support Tottenham. Sorry. Will say really deadly seriously that Arsenal poisoned their their players lasagna, right? Somehow, Arsene Wenger arranged for one of his operatives to sneak into a hotel kitchen and put I don't know what some form of laxative in their lasagna the night before they play, right? Utter insane rubbish, obviously. But what wines? You know, but they don't ever point a finger of blame at West Ham about that. But the bit that annoys me is that, and it sums up the arrogance and delusion of the Tottenham supporter, which makes them so widely disliked in the football community, not just by ourselves and Arsenal and Chelsea, but by everyone. Because there is a a delusion about their position, their status and their achievements. And that's irritating. And with respect to Lasagna Gate, It's the idea that there is no way that they could have possibly lost to West Ham at (laughs) Upton Park on the last day of the season when they were going for a Champions League place had it not been for the most elaborate and preposterous conspiracy theory that anyone's ever come up with in football, right? That's the only explanation. But that's how Tottenham fans think. They think, well, I mean, how could we have lost to West Ham? By the way, West Ham were brilliant that season under Alan Pardew. We finished 10th. It was the week before we played in the FA Cup final against Liverpool, right? We were on tremendous form. And earlier that season, I'd been at White Hart Lane when we'd drawn with them 1-1, right? And given them a really good game and came away with a deserved point. They were at a packed upton park with an amazing atmosphere because we were all in the mood for going to the Cup final the following week, right? Right? And obviously, West Ham fans and players were super motivated to stop Spurs qualifying from the Champions League. It was the last thing we wanted to see. But Spurs lost, and of course, oh, well, it's obvious, isn't it? We were poisoned by Arsene Wenger's operatives. So that obviously still is annoying to me. When they beat us 4-3, which was a game in which Tevez had, I think, come off the bench and scored
2: for an amazing free free kick. Yeah,
1: we were, we were three, two up quite late in the game and they scored two late goals. It was, it was one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever sat through. And it was, I'm going to tell you now how heartbroken and confused and discombobulated I was by that result. That night, I went to see the romantic comedy starring Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant. Music and lyrics, right? Not only did I go and see it that night, I actually suggested that choice of movie to my wife. And she always remembers that. She goes, do you remember that time where you actually said you wanted to go and see music and lyrics with Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant? And I go, yeah, but you know that is because we were 3-2 up to Tottenham and then lost 4-3 in the last minute. So I hope that reflects you what a huge emotional and psychological impact that result had on me, Rashane.
2: Well, for for all of us, Sam, for all of us, Berbatov and Paul Sateri, I mean I still wanna like, whenever I hear my names I think, oh damn yeah. you guys. That as was you mentioned, G-M Land. But just a quick plug as well. I spoke I actually spoke to um well, I interviewed rather Callan Davenport last year about Lasagna Gate. So, oh, yeah, it's a great piece. Yeah. yeah. Much appreciated, Sam. So, if you, ever, if you haven't read it, yeah, if you're a new subscriber, check out that piece. He sp- speaks about Lasagna Gate, hilarious as ever. He said yeah. Daniel Levy wanted to check their store samples, which is hilarious. So, so <laughs> <not reading. Yeah. laughs>
1: Well, I mean, that's just one of the brilliant things about that piece. It's also a really fascinating insight to a very unusual footballing story in Callan Davenport. But, yeah, I mean, the idea of Daniel Levy going through. Uh, West Ham players stole samples after the game. It's quite a captivating one. We should have definitely said yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, if I'd been in charge, I'd have said, absolutely, mate, go for it. Do it now. Yeah. I'll get yeah. them all to. I'll get them to come in your changing room if you want. Yeah. Put the samples in there. No problem. <laughs> um, so listen, if we line up against Spurs, if we sign Benarama, still seems quite a big if, but if we do, and as you suggest, we. Um, we, we drop now so so he can play on the left. Harsh on Four now has arguably had the best run of form recently that he's had since he's been at the club. He's scored. He's got a number of assists. I think he might be our highest assist this season so far. Uh, and, of course, what we've also seen about him is, is that he, he really works in every game. He puts the hard yards in, doesn't he? Um, I suspect that even if we sign Rama, M- Moyes won't. Won't put him straight into the team because I think that's the way Moyes is. He doesn't change winning teams, but eventually, of course, it'll probably be Fournells's place that is up for grabs, and it will be harsh on the young lad, won't it?
2: Yeah, and that's actually a good point because I remember when Jared Burren first arrived, Moyes took about two two weeks maybe to include him in the start of eleven. So that's that's actually a good point, and yeah, it will be harsh on Fournells. And one of the best things about seeing his development in his second season is the fact that you know Moyes it seems has a lot more faith in him. Before, Four Niles would always be the first player to come on for the first player to come off the bench. But now Moise is like, you know what? You're doing well. Here's your chance to play well. So it would be harsh them, But again, it's good to have competition. You want players to like put an 8 out of 10 every week because they know the jersey's on the threat. the placement teams on the threat. So if we sign Ben Rama, happy days. If Four now loses his place, he's still a good player to come off the bench and change the game.
1: Well I'm looking forward to it Uh, an exciting prospect and let's see what happens between now and Friday and and what players come into the club. Um, Rashane, what can people look out for in terms of your West Ham writing on the Athletic at the moment?
2: Well there should be a piece coming out on Saturday on if if Ben Rama gets over the line or whether he's the um, equivalent in terms of impact like Dimitri Payet and why fans should be excited by his arrival and there's going to be more content next week I have an exciting piece looking at the terrible signing of that and Cresco. I believe is pronounced. Spoke to a lot of people for that. Why not the West Ham signing? Well, you are find out next week. Uh oh, Savio. Be... Wasn't yeah. he our
1: record signing at the time uh, as yeah.
2: well? Nine million he cost, but West Ham were absolutely skint. West Ham were so skint and they spent nine million in the sky. He was at West, was at West Ham for about six months. Six yeah, months, son. And
1: I believe this is right, but I don't want to do any spoilers on your article, but he ended up faking his own kidnap, didn't he? Correct. <laughs> well,
2: let's just leave it at that.
1: Keep an eye out <laughs> yeah. for that story because it sounds like it's one that could have the lot. Um, yeah. Right, until next week. Uh, thanks, Rashane. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Stay in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at Delaney Man. He's at Rashane Sport. Until next time, come on your irons and remember, there's only one.
2: Samasia Boo.